I consider it a very uh, blessing to just share this service together, my brothers and sisters. I've prayed and asked God a, asked for a specific request just prior to sharing the emblems and take, taking our taking communion. My specific request is that through His Word, our hearts could be soft. I pray that. God will choose to answer the prayer because our hearts tend to get hard. My heart tends to get hard. My heart tends to grow cold. My heart tends to wonder. And I pray and, and beg God that through the reading of the scripture and a few comments, he would soften our hearts and just move in our midst that we could just humbly, thankfully, gratefully commune together, remembering what Jesus Christ has done. I remember a long time ago, Brother Lester told me something that was very, very wise. He said, you know, before a communion service, all we'd have to do is read Isaiah 53. We'll never wear it out. It is so rich. It is so loaded, it is so dripping, and I agree. Isaiah 53 is a powerful, powerful summary of what Jesus has done for us. Some people call it the fifth gospel. It's not quite accurate. If you're gonna include it as a gospel, it should be the first gospel, written 700 years before it actually happened. So precise. It includes the incarnation. It includes the life of Christ. It includes his rejection. It includes his trial, his betrayal, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, his intercession, his exaltation. It's almost like somebody wrote it at the foot of the cross. 700 years before it happened. Maybe that alone can validate the authority of the scriptures. So many fulfilled, fulfilled prophecies. This passage has softened many hearts. I am told that this passage has softened, softened even many Jewish hearts. And for the, for the most part, many of the Jews rejected Jesus, but... This passage is, has the tendency to, to truly soften our hearts. And that is my, my prayer. I can hardly think of a story that I, that I heard in relation to Isaiah 53. Uh, as I look at Isaiah 53, I can hardly think, uh, avoid sharing this story of a prison worker. And I know I shared it before. I don't know when, but... A prison worker went into the maximum security area of a, of a prison where few people get and he was ushered back through and you know the security guard was with him and put him through the door and the door went shut and to his dismay he was alone with these prisoners of maximum security and he just got a little bit scared and they sensed his fear and they started laughing at him, and, and it's not fun being laughed at or mocked. And 
It just in desperation, he just didn't know what to do. So he simply, he wasn't prepared, he wasn't, it wasn't planned. He just simply opened up to Isaiah 53 and he read it with no comments. Until he was done, there was tears flowing from those men that uh, were in the maximum security. And if I remember the story right, several, had, several give, gave their hearts, hearts to the Lord. Join me in Isaiah 53. Verse 1. I'm going to read it verse by verse. Maybe a comment, maybe not. Isaiah 53, verse 1. Who hath believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? So it starts off with like a question. Who, who, who's who's going to believe it? Almost like a lament. But I do hope amidst that lament, you can sense the arm of the Lord revealed to you. Can, can you do that for just a minute? Can you remember your personal testimony? Can you remember the time that you felt God in his love and mercy through the power of the Holy Spirit drawing you? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Verse 2 says, He shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. So vivid of the life of Jesus and what he experienced. As he started his ministry, people would say things like, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Dry ground is a... Uh, is imagery of, of such unlikely origin for the birth of such a kingdom. And probably that gives us reason to why so many people failed to believe it and see it. Such a humble, ordinary person, yet God. No comeliness, simply meaning no royalty, no pomp, no power, no honor, no majesty. Just nothing. Just an ordinary man choosing to be a servant. And there was nothing about his physical appearance, nothing that would, that would draw people to him. We live in a world that is so crazy about their outward appearance. Spend so much money, fashion, show, pump, pride, Je nothing of Jesus drew you to him. Nothing outside. But that love and compassion from within had such a drawing effect that even sinners would be brought to him. Verse 3, he's despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, as, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Have you ever been despised? Highlight that word. Have you ever been rejected? We hear a lot about rejection today. People suffer from rejection. Jesus was despised. He was rejected. He was belittled. He was acquainted with grief. In other words, 
he, he identified well with grief. Often when the subject of grief comes up, it's, it's a personal grief, and, and we, we must grieve. But we also sing, he had no tears for his own grief. I know that's a song. I'm not trying to build doctrine out of, song, out of a song, but there's something powerful about Jesus acquainting with, I believe it's others' grief. And then we have the audacity to hide our faces from him. We hid our faces from him and esteemed him not. Does that, my dear brother and sister, does that soften your heart this morning? We hid our faces. And I am saddened when I think of Jesus feeling that very same thing even today yet. From me. Surely, verse 4, he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, and we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. And I, th- I think there's some uh, imagery there that, re- that probably uh, alludes to a scapegoat. You can, turn, you can uh, read Leviticus 16 sometime and, and talk about the scape- uh, talks about the scapegoat that just carried your burden into the wilderness and left, and it's gone. He carried... He bore our griefs. He carried our sorrows. I just talked to a brother who is just really sorrowing over loss. Not death in the family, but just a a tremendous loss that he was facing. And he said, Isaiah 53 just comes alive. Jesus carried my grief, my sorrow. He carried it. When we get a hold of, of, of that, we just say, thank you, Jesus. Scapegoat imagery. Israel looked at him and said, well, he just got what he deserved. It's kind of like Job's friends when they showed up to console Job. But let, let's, let's identify with that we did esteem him stricken. We were so wrong. It just seems that no one appreciated what Jesus did in his life. And he died that way. Most of us had the privilege of being, having something we have done, appreciation expressed for it. Jesus had so little of it. So little. And he died. With most people saying he deserved it. We were so wrong. Verse 5, he was wounded. For our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we're healed. There's four descriptive words there that wounded. And look at the contrast. He for we. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquity. He took the chastisement of the peace that I experience. 
It, it required chastisement. It required discipline. And he took it so I could have the peace. By his stripes, his scourging, I'm healed. You're healed this morning. Because he took the stripes. He took, what, 39 of them over his back, ripping him open. Our sins. He paid the price. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 6, again. I, I'm, it just makes me so sorry. All we like sheep, not 99% of us, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to our own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Selfish us. Stubborn us. Illustration of sheep. Wondering. Selfishness. Independence. I'll do my thing. That's a shame to us. Amen? That's a shame. I'll never forget going to a funeral in Grenada of a man that was killed suddenly, not living for the Lord. Arrogant. And, I, and they played a Frank Sinatra song at the funeral. And they glorified this man and they said, he did it his way. By the way, that's a wicked song that by Frank Sinatra. He said, I do it. I did it my way. It kind of depicts at the end of life, I did it my way. So wrong. We went our own way. And here comes the Messiah to just gather us back. We like stubborn sheep going our own way. Here comes Jesus. 700 years before, prophesied. And he gathers us back. My sheep hear my voice. They know me. They follow me. Thank you, Jesus, for, for calling me when I was going my own way so stubbornly. Verse 7, he was oppressed. He was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Oppressed. We talk about people that are living in oppression. In fact, we prayed for some of them this morning. The, 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 the terrible situations in, in Syria. We talk about oppression, driven, cruelty. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. And in the middle of it all, he didn't open his mouth to defend his rights. And I'll admit to you that I, uh, part of me wishes he would have. Part of me likes the, 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 the gospel where Jesus would say one line and, and he would send his opposers into their little huddle and they didn't know what to do. If we say this, we're doomed. If we say this, it's like Jesus do. But no, he, he couldn't. He couldn't because I was guilty. And he stood there representing me. He stood there representing you. We were guilty. He could have silenced them all with a word. But as a sheep 
As a lamb before the slaughter, as a sheep before her shears, he opened not his, he opened not his mouth. Verse 8, he was taken from prison he was taken, and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? He was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. It's almost like a, 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 just a sad tone. And it's so unfair. And who's going to talk about it? Well, it does seem that God is raising up a host to talk about it and declare it. And hopefully that all of us are uh, doing, declaring that in our generation. He made his grave, verse 9, with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence, neither was there any deceit in his mouth. And again, isn't that profound? 700 years later, he died before, between two thieves. He died with, between two wicked. And then he was buried in a rich man's tomb. Joseph of Arimathea. Incredible prophecy. In verse 10, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. To him hath he put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. For he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Now that doesn't mean the Lord just loved, the Father just loved what he saw. It, it satisfied God the Father. It, what Jesus did for us, it satisfied him. The discipline, the chastisement, the penalty has been paid, and it satisfied the Father. Thank you, Jesus. And it seems like uh, when it talks about the pleasure of the Lord, I don't know. I, I wonder if that's the, the blood-bought church the ecclesia, the called out ones, maybe came into focus here and it brought pleasure to the Lord because of all, all of this. Verse 11, he shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many for he shall bear their iniquities. Satisfaction from travail. Justify many. We're, we're, we're switching gears. Are you, are, 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 do you follow the gospel in Isaiah 53? We're, we're shifting from the suffering, the penalty, to a group of people standing before God just as if we've never sinned one time. Now that's something to praise God about. That me, a stubborn selfish, independent, my way, individual, can be brought back and turned to God and actually have a standing before God, even in my sinful nature, totally justified, just like you never sinned one time. That's incredible. That's justification. That's the standing that a, that a child of God has before, before the Father. Not on the merits of one thing I did, but on the merits of Jesus Christ and what he, what he accomplished on the cross and my response and trust and faith and belief in that. Thank you, Jesus, for justification. Wow, verse 12. Therefore, why divide a portion with the great? And he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. 
He was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. And in verse 12, you can see uh, just reward and exaltation just uh, shining through the complete story of Jesus and also with, with uh, in- intercession, which is still going on. We know that Jesus ever liveth to make intercession for us. Isaiah 53, I am convinced, will soften every heart, every open heart that approaches it with, thank you, Jesus. I titled the message, The ABCs of Communion. And I was tempted to build the message on, the, the th- the, on three points, but I'm simply going to give them to you as I close. And maybe a, a, a later message sometime in the future, can, can, we can build from this. But I, I, I started this, this meditation asking God, what, 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 what do you want shared before the communion service? What, what response? When is communion effective? Jesus, of course, wanted it done because this do in remembrance of me. So he, he, he wants us to, to experience what we're going to do in the next few minutes to, re, to remember and focus on him. But it's, I just don't want to think about him for the next 30 minutes and then just live just normal. Like I... And the Lord gave me three words. And they're ABC words. Number one, allegiance. I ask myself, is it possible for me to focus on what I just read and focus on what Jesus did for me and have a divided allegiance? Is that possible? I answer, no. I either take my focus off Jesus and have a divided divided allegiance, or I focus on Jesus and have an allegiance to Jesus that that you just cannot argue with. And that's what I just want to call us to, allegiance. And I know we can build on what allegiance looks like, but let's honestly look look at ourselves and say, Lord... How is my allegiance to you? The words from uh, Mount Carmel echo to, to, echoed to me as I pondered it. How long will you halt between two opinions? And I wonder how many times the Lord Jesus looks at us and says, how long? How long will you stand there and halt between two allegiance? I don't think it is possible to see what Jesus did for us without a pledge of allegiance. Secondly, B, Brokenness. Is it possible to see what Jesus did for you? Is it really possible to look at Isaiah 53 and just consider it and have a hard heart? I say, I concluded, no, you can't. You got a choice. Either I, either I take my focus off of what Jesus, who Jesus is, what he's done, and allow my heart to get hard. 
we were in a prayer group here, not this last Wednesday, the other Wednesday, and we were talking about pray, praying for somebody, and a comment was made, well, either his heart's going to get hard or his heart's going to get soft. I don't think it is possible to keep your eyes on Jesus and have a hard heart or even a cold heart. You've got to take your eyes off of what Jesus did. And then you can have a hard heart and then you can have a cold heart. Brokenness. Gene Edwards in The Tale of Three Kings writes something to the effect of, God has a school or a university. Few enroll and very, very few graduate. God has many men, but God has very few broken men. Brokenness. A broken and a contrite heart God will not despise. I don't think it is possible to look at Jesus and see what he's done and not be broken. God give us brokenness. Thirdly and lastly, C, cooperation. This one I struggled with to get my C. I wanted unity. But for the sake of A, B, C. Cooperation. The emblems are so powerful in imagery. That's another message I was toying with. Maybe, Leon, you can beat me to this one. Uh, a message on uh, 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 considering the imagery of the emblems. The, the, well, we're gonna, you're going to take a little piece of bread. Don't forget that those grains were, the grain was crushed in a grinder or a mill, blended together. The grapes were crushed. And from the many different grapes flowed the juice, the, the fruit of the vine. The, the emblems are dripping with imagery. And the point is, Co cooperation. I like the word uh, compacted. I just have the scripture written down and I can't quote it. I, uh, Ephesians 3.16 talks about uh, the, talking about the body and then it says compacted together. Uh, anybody here like their space? Yeah. Is there space now I know there's different levels of space. But it all goes back to the independent, independence that we think we own and have. Compacted to cooperation. I, I ask myself, is it possible for me to see what Jesus did? This is, this is hurts. Is it possible for me to look at Jesus on the cross and see what he's done, and then not cooperate with brothers and sisters and have be so intentional in good relationships. Is it possible for me to see Jesus and sing the tune of, oh, me and God have our own little thing going and I can worship in the woods and I can worship I don't need anyone else. is that possible I have I personally have concluded no won't happen never will never did 
Jesus. When we see him in Isaiah 53, when we see him in the Gospels and, yea, in our own lives, I really believe the fragrance of allegiance, the fragrance of, of brokenness, and the fragrance of cooperation will just flow from our lifestyle. Lord, help us. And also, Lord, thank you. We praise you. We love you. We adore you. And we, we enter into this with very grateful, humble, thankful hearts.